Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. But God called us to be obedient, to be compliant to his order, to be submissive to his authority as it's declared in his word, not ours. And so I want to talk to you about obedience. Because I believe, Peter Forsyth said this, and I believe it's true. The first duty of every soul is not to find its freedom. It's to find its master. And once we find our master, our freedom becomes irrelevant. Because in our master, we find free. In our master, we find freedom. I think everybody's looking for a, a new thing. Just find your master. Commit yourself to your master. We're slaves. Did you know that? I know I'm talking slow because I want to make sure I'm hearing right. But we're slaves to righteousness, previously slaves to sin. We don't have the right to determine our own destiny. We don't have a right to, to determine what we're going to say, how we're going to respond, what we spend our money on. We don't have a right to do any of those things. Well, you don't even have a right once God points you to a church to determine what church you're going to go to. You're called to a church because you're called to a vision. You're not called to me. If you're called to me, you're in the wrong place because I'm, I'm jacked up. I just told you I'm jacked up. Don't follow me. Follow God as he's working through the church to accomplish his vision for the church. Amen? But we have to find a master first. We have to understand that freedom is only found in submission. Because in submission, I don't have to worry about what I'm going to eat or what I'm going to do or what I'm going to wear or what, how, 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 where I'm going to live. I don't have to worry about all those things because according to the book of Matthew, God's already taken care of all of those things. Why does he take care of all of those things? Because he owns me. And, that, and I know that's verbiage that people don't like these days for sure, but it's absolutely truth. You don't belong to yourself. You're owned. You've been bought and paid for. You've been put on the stump and sold to the highest bidder. And that highest bidder paid the highest price, which is the blood of Jesus Christ. And so he owns you. He owns us. And because he owns us, we don't have a right to do anything other than what we're told to do, when we're told to do it, how we're told to do it, regardless of the why we're told to do it. Amen? What am I saying? Let's just start paying attention to the Word of God and the Spirit of God and sound counsel. In that order. People say, well, I just feel like it's the right thing to do. Confirm it in the word of God. Confirm it by wise counsel. If it's contradicted in the word of God, it's not from the spirit of God. And so I want to talk to you today about that. Prayer for an obedient, worthy heart. And this might be a 20-minute sermon. This might be an hour and 50-minute sermon. And the next group just have to come in when they get in. I don't know. But I have five pages of notes. 
And I'm not sure which of them I'm going to use, if any. But let's talk about out of the text. We are going to declare the text. In text, Colossians 1, verses 9 through 12, reads like this. For this reason, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So that you'll do what? Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. How does the Lord walk? The Lord walks in obedience. Jesus walked according to the way the Father told Him to walk. He did the things the Father told Him to do. He spoke and taught the things that God, the Father, told Him to speak and talk. He was an obedient person. So if we're going to walk worthy of Him, we have to be obedient too. Right? Amen? So you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and please Him. You want to please the Lord? Be obedient to the Lord. In all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Amen. And so that's what we're talking about today. But before we do, I want to talk to you about how an obedient, and I'm, it's going to sound for a moment like I'm preaching last week's sermon, but I, I guess I kind of am. An obedient heart is born of love. An obedient heart is born of love. Verse 9 says this, <clears throat> For this reason also, since the day we... Since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. What's the it? Since we have heard of it, what is the it? If you'll go back in context, because context is everything, you'll read in verse 8, and He also informed us of your love in the Spirit. And so because of it, we have been, we have not, because of your love, we have not ceased praying for you and ask that you be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We talked last week, how do you become full of God's knowledge and wisdom? Anybody remember? Intimacy. God reveals himself to people that he can trust with information. Same as you. The closer you get to Him, the more He's going to reveal Himself to you. People are like, I can't, I don't understand what that means, or I don't know what to do in this situation. You know how some people can know what to do just like that? And some people struggle with the simplest decisions in regard to what they should be doing? It, it's, it's largely based on how intimate are you with the God that you serve. Because God reveals Himself in relationship. Why would he tell somebody that doesn't understand spiritual things, spiritual things? Why would he tell somebody that's still on milk stuff that they could choke on? It's dangerous for them because then there's spiritual haughtiness that happens. He reveals himself in intimacy. And so knowledge and spiritual wisdom and understanding come from love. 
Our obedient heart is born in love. It's the reason we talked about perfected love last week. I did this series very intentionally. We have to start with us. In starting with us, we recognize that we have a humility problem. And recognizing we have a humility problem, we need to get our love right. And when we get our love right, then we can be obedient. Because it works like this. If our love is right, our, our obedience will get right. But neither of them can get right unless our Jesus is right. So for the Christian, the test of love is obedience. And I can prove this to you in Scripture. I'm not just up here whistling Dixie. I'm not sure what that phrase means. I, I don't know what Dixie is. But it's 1 John 2, 3 says this. By this we know that we have come to know Him. If we keep His commandments. Is that cut and dry? That doesn't require a lot of explanation, I don't think. There's not a lot of big theological words there. It essentially says, obedience motivates or proves that our love is perfected. By this we know we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Our love proves, our obedience proves our love. I do what Angela asked me to way more now than I did when we first got married. Amen? You know why? Because my love is being perfected for her. I had a guy tell me the other day, he said, he said, listen, I know you said that last week wasn't a marriage counseling session, but I, uh, it kind of was. But you understand that God created marriage to mimic Christ in the church. So a marriage conference should point you to Christ in a church. Christ in a church should point you towards what a perfect marriage should look like. For those of y'all think about getting married. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Matthew. <laughs> By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Verses 4 and 5 says, The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. What's his commandments? What are the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? And love your neighbor as yourself. But we were given a new commandment according to the teaching we had last week, which is to do what? To love one another as I have loved you. There's a difference between love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because nobody loves themselves perfectly. And the new commandment, Jesus says, a new commandment I give you. That you love one another as I have loved you. And Jesus loves perfectly. So we're called to love each other. Not like we love, e love each other, but as Christ loved us sacrificially. We are to give up everything that we have to show the love that we have for one another. Which means that we don't have a right to say that makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to walk over there and tell them about Jesus. I don't want to give up part of my money so that they might have something to eat. I don't want to give up part of my time so that they could be ministered to or shown love to. We don't have a right because Jesus did all of those things. And if his is the new commandment that we need to obey, that we love one another as he loved us, then that's what we're obligated to. Right? And so that's the commandment. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments, love God, 
and love others like Jesus loves us is a liar. Which means that if you're not those things, then you telling me that you belong to God isn't true. Now, that will be a constant state of perfectedness. That's the reason why we're praying for a perfected love. My love the day I got saved wasn't perfect, but you know what it did? It got on the tracks towards perfection. It's still not perfected, but it's still on the tracks towards perfection. And the truth is not in him. And whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. You know what keeps his word means? Keeps his word doesn't mean just hide it in your heart and do nothing with it. It means be obedient to it. You have to be obedient to the word of God. Is, he, is anybody hearing what I'm saying today? I'm only making one point today. And that is love, obedience proves love. Tell me you love me all day long. It's not going to mean anything to me. Show me you love me through obedience, and I will believe you. This is what God's saying. Stop giving me lip service. Start doing what I tell you to. You don't like something in the Scripture? I don't care what you don't like in the Scripture. God doesn't care what you don't like in the Scripture. There's a couple lists in the Scripture of this person's going to hell, and this person's going to hell, and this person's going to hell, and this person's going to hell. And everybody's all, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Oh, I don't like that. I'm okay with homosexuals going to hell because I don't deal with homosexuality. I'm okay with sexual sins of all types going to hell because I don't deal with sexual sin. But I might be a little fat. Might have a little gluttony problem. Might be a little liar. Let me tell you, the liar is going to hell just like the homosexual. You know why? Because they're disobedient to the word of God. The Bible's specific to say these will not inherit the kingdom of God. I told you all that there's probably not going to use a whole lot of the slides today. But I want the point is we have to we prove our love for God in obedience. And can I tell you, willful obedience? Not the kind of obedience that comes from strapping you down to a, a pole, stripping off your shirt and beating your back. Angela never forces me to love her. I just do. God never forced you to love him. He did everything to ensure that we can love him. My love grew for Angela as Angela revealed herself to me. Man, that's good right there. Your love will grow for God as he reveals himself to you. Which is the reason why every pastor on earth should say something along the lines all the time of, read your Bible. Pray. Journal. Spend some time in meditation with your mouth shut and your ears open? Because, I don't know about you, but the love that I have for God, I'd love to grow bigger. Because then my wife wouldn't have to say, that's not how a Christian acts. That's not what a Christian thinks. Or a Christian definitely wouldn't put that on Facebook. And so we're struggling. We're working towards it. But you know what? 
think God is glorified and honored in our sincere work towards it too. We're working for perfect. We're working towards perfection. None of us are perfect yet. He expects us to endure, to carry on, to continue on in our love. Because our obedience proves our love. Because it's what Jesus did. First John two six says. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk as Christ walked. And so I'll ask the question I asked a few minutes ago. How did Christ walk? Christ walked in obedience to the Father. I only say those things that I hear the Father say. I only teach the things I hear the Father teach. He did everything he was supposed to do according to what the Father said. I do nothing of my own. Imagine your life if you could. I tried to say could and can in the same word and it came out weird, but imagine your life if you can. If you were perfectly obedient to God and what that would look like. John read it and I had a conversation, several really, John, what's your life verse? Matthew 6.33, which says what? Boom. Did you hear that? Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. You know why that's his favorite life verse? Because before he starts, before he started being obedient and seeking first the kingdom of God, he didn't have anything added to him. I ain't telling his business. He'll tell you. But once he started becoming obedient, everything that he thought he needed, he found out he probably didn't need. And the stuff that he really did need, God gave him. You'd have never convinced John five years ago he needed a good woman in his life. God gave him one of the best ones I've ever met. Why? Obedience. Because he sought first the kingdom of God. This happens as we walk as Christ walks, but we don't do it. Or we struggle to do it. Some people do it. Many of y'all do it better than I do, probably. But some of us don't. We don't make him Lord. You say, I'm saved. What'd you do to get saved? Well, I went down to the altar. I made a confession of Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. You made a confession of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You didn't have a heart change. And let me tell you, you wasted the 32 steps to the altar and back. Because at the end of the day, this is a touch point. There's no magic in this altar. But we have to realize that to make him Lord is to do what he said. I've stopped on purpose. I'm hoping this is causing us to stop for a minute and go, have I truly made God Lord? Or have I taken the grace that he gave me and determined to misuse it instead? See, we have a proclivity, a tendency as, as people, not just Christians, 
to think something along the lines of, well, they love me. They're always going to love me. So if I do this, they're still going to love me. If I do this, they're still going to love me. If I do this, they're still going to love me. But Paul tells us in Romans 6, 15, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? May it never be. Just because God hasn't killed you for sinning doesn't mean you get the right, you have the right to keep sinning. Because you deserve to be killed. And when I say you, I hope y'all understand, I talk about me too. None of us deserve the grace that we've been given. And it's a slap in the face. It is cosmic rebellion every time we insult God with our sin. Can you imagine a God that loves you enough to have not killed you? After all the stuff that you've done, you've still decided to do what you want to do? That freaked me out. It's freaking me out now just talking about it. But it's crazy because he knew you would do it when he saved you in the first place. But my point is, we have to make him Lord, but we don't do that. Not really. Because if we make him Lord only in the areas we want to make him Lord, he's not Lord at all. And I'm not saying you're going to get it right all the time. You're not going to get it right all the time. I don't get it right all the time. But you know what's awesome? Is that by the power of his Holy Spirit, those who are truly pursuing will feel such a conviction for the sin that they have that they'll have a desire to never do that again. I would ask myself, when I sin, when I knowingly sin, am I convicted? Do I feel that conviction? Do I feel like that weight's on me? I got to get off. And if you don't feel that, when you intentionally sin, and you need to fall on your face before a mighty God and ask him to forgive you because you've allowed some crust or hardness to cover a, a, a heart that he turned into flesh from stone. We have to be obedient. We can't misuse grace. We have to be obedient to the master. Matthew 6, 24 says, no one can serve two masters. Trust me, I've tried. It continues, it says, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the, the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Now, I know it's talking about wealth, but this principle is true of everything. To use an extreme example, you can't love your girlfriend and your wife at the same time. You're going to prefer one over the other, and both of them are going to destroy you. I use an extreme example because it gets people's attention. And who knows, maybe somebody in here got something to repent about. I don't know. We have to obey, be obedient, and recognize that we once belonged 
to sin. But now we belong to righteousness. Owned by. Redeemed. Which means paid for. We get the privilege of being obedient. Think about it like that. It's not something you have to do. It's something you get the privilege of doing. Of being obedient. Now there's there's about ten more points I, I, I really I have written down to make. I'm not going to make any of them. Except to say, when we do this, when we recognize that obedience proves love and determined to walk in obedience, we have promises of blessing, which is increased, which is increased fruit, increased knowledge, strength and all power, his power, steadfastness, and patience. And I could use all of those things. Those things come from walking worthy of the Lord. Hmm. I've read these verses every, every time I've ever talked on obedience because they're true. And they're just, they're the most pointed verses I can find. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by the Father, and I will love him and disclose myself to him. We've talked about that. Who does God reveal knowledge and wisdom to? Those that love him. How do you know that you love him? When you're obedient to his commandments. Do you see the nexus between this sermon and the last sermon? Between obedience and love? As our love is perfected, our obedience is perfected. As our obedience is perfected, our love is perfected. And on and on and on. Verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him, our abode with him, our rest with him. So not only will he reveal himself, but he promises that, you, that he will be forever in your presence, that you'll get the opportunity to rest in him. That's so good. Why? Why do we get the right to do that? Because we're obedient. And then finally, verse 24. He who does not love me does not keep my word. And so he went from the positive, this is what you're going to get, to this is what's going to happen if you don't. He who does not love me does not keep my word. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. If you love me, you'll do this. If you love me, you'll do this, and I'll do this. If you love me, I'll do this, and I'll do this. But if you don't love me, you won't do this. And if you won't do this, then you don't get this and this. I don't know about you guys, but I want more revelation of God. I want to be able to rest in the shadow of the Most High, make my abode in Him. It's not possible if you're not obedient. I said a few minutes ago, 
that perfect love drives obedience. But neither of these possible without Jesus. So I've given you the problem. We're not as obedient as we should be. And I'm looking across this room and I've prayed with most of you. And I know that if I asked most, maybe all of you would say I'm a Christian. But is your obedience perfect? Is your obedience even what you would feel comfortable with being faced face to face with God right now? And if your answer is yes, you've missed everything I've said today. You can't do anything. Have perfect love, humility, righteousness, personal righteousness, or obedience without the Spirit of God, and you don't get the Spirit of God without Christ Jesus. Everything we have available to us is available to us in Christ Jesus. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? I feel like I'm about to get loud again. Because this is all about Jesus. This isn't about your obedience. It's about Jesus. Because Jesus will create obedience in you if you, if you follow and allow, allow yourself to be led by His Holy Spirit. You don't create righteousness. Jesus creates righteousness. You don't create humility. Jesus creates humility. None of us are capable without the Spirit of God living in us. And the Spirit of God living in us isn't possible unless we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Why? Because we were dead in our trespasses prior to Jesus Christ doing what Jesus Christ did. And don't let me be vague about that. Let me tell you what Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ came down here from heaven, perfect existence for all time, and put on dirty skin. Walked around on this earth for 30 years, ministered for three of those years, submitted himself to the most horrific torture and death imaginable, shed his blood so that you might have remission of sin, so that we might have remission of sin, was taken off the cross, allowed himself to be put in the ground to prove that he has defeated death, hell, and the grave, raised from that grave, walked around for a while just to prove to people that he did do it, went back, sat at the right hand of the Father, and then said, you know what, I left them, but I'm not going to leave them, and sent you his Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus did for us so we could walk in righteousness. This is what Jesus did for us so we could be humble, so that our love could be perfected, so that we can walk in obedience, so that next week as we talk about increased fruitfulness, so that we can have increased fruitfulness and what that means. None of us are capable according to the Word of God. Let me just, let me just prove that to you. I feel like, feel like somebody's, oh man, you're talking a lot without actually saying any scripture. Let me lay a little scripture on you. And you were dead in your trespasses, Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture here, so bear with me. But I want you to listen to me. Pastor Jim, don't went to his Bible. It's time for me to check out. Don't check out. I'm about to tell you the only important thing I've said all day. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. So that's who you were. You were walking in cosmic rebellion, disobedience, commanded by the enemy. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, 
indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So we were the worst of the worst of the worst, cosmically rebellious to a mighty and holy God. And because we were dead in our sins, we didn't even know. The worst person on earth is the person that doesn't even know that they don't know. Because they'll do anything. Verse 4. But God. Can I get, can, I get, can, can y'all say that to me? But God. <clears throat> being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he showed us. Transgressions. Made us alive together with Christ by grace. You have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace, not by anything that you've done, not by anything that you've said. Your obedience doesn't save you. Don't make, don't, don't give, let me get you messed up. Your obedience doesn't save you. Your obedience proves that you're saved. It's by grace that you're saved. Why? So that you don't, so you don't have anything to boast about. So you can't brag. Well, look at me. I'm the most obedient person I know. Well, look at me. I'm the most humble person I know. None of those things are true. And if they were true, that's not what saved you. These are products. Of that which saved you. Which is the grace and mercy of God. Which we didn't deserve. And because we didn't deserve it. He gave it to us anyway. We owe him. Our per- we owe him to walk righteously. In humility. In perfected love. In obedience. And in increased fruitfulness. Amen. Jesus Christ died. So that we might have eternal life. According to the word of God. So I don't know where you are. Like I said, I pray with most of you. But I prayed with you. Can I tell you I prayed with people before I had no idea what they were praying for? I prayed with people to give their life to the Lord. Didn't understand the weight of what that meant. And they were just words. Lordship is lordship. Lordship means I'm going to do what I'm told to do, when I'm told to do it, how I'm told to do it. I know during an altar call, you typically lower your voice so the people lean in and we have music and everybody gets all emotional. I'm not trying to draw an emotion out of you today. I'm, trying to, I'm asking you very specifically, filter what's been said today over your own life. And if you find yourself lacking as provoked by the Spirit of God, it's time to fix that right now. If that's you, If you know you're not living like you're supposed to be living. If you're not walking in obedience to God as Lord. If you don't live in the kingdom of righteousness as you should. Today is the day to fix that problem. One thing I've always loved about Launch Point Church culture. And it's one thing everybody will tell you. This is a family. We love you. Which is the reason when I do this, I don't say bow your head, close your eyes. Because your family wants to love you too. Wants to come alongside of you. Wants to help you. If that's you and you know that you struggle. Or maybe you made that prayer. You've just struggled this week. 
Now's the time. If that's you, would you raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to raise my I'm never as obedient as I should be. But I want to. Because I recognize the, I think I recognize the weight of what God did for me so I could. So let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we love you. And we thank you, Lord, that you love us. God, that all the truths that we declared about the work of your son Jesus in this place today are true. That he died for us. That you extended grace to us. We couldn't earn it. But we can accept it. And we can walk in it. And we can be obedient to it. God, my prayer today is that by the power of your Holy Spirit, the people in this room understand the full weight and necessity of praying for a heart of obedience of walking in obedience God teach us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind teach us what we should say and what we shouldn't say teach us how to love you properly God because we don't know we read your Bible but we don't know the true depths of what you expect from us. Can you show us? God, give us obedience like Moses. Give us obedience like Abraham and Joshua and Joseph and Paul and Jesus. Give us obedience that is unquestionable. that just moves forward according to your word. God, for the people in this room, I say thank you. I thank you for the heart of Launch Point Church, a heart that you've placed in us. And God, I pray that same heart over every church in our community, over every person in our community. But God, I recognize it has to start somewhere. So let it start here. Let it start here. Let us be a beacon of light in a world that just seems to quite honestly be going to hell so that they don't have to and we praise you we thank you that you've given us your spirit and we can walk in obedience we worship you and praise you and thank you god in jesus name amen